of Howard Shore, the soundtrack from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Welcome to this Fair Tuesday in Southern California, and greetings, my govanin, and this is the show where we celebrate all things Tolkien and life as an elf. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. I'm here Tuesday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m., followed by the Blue and Gold Report, and that is followed by Heather McCoy with Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident, a music show not to be missed. Today is Tuesday, October 15th. And, oh, just lest I forget that um, while we broadcast at 88.9 FM to most of Orange County, you can also catch us streaming live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, through our website at KUCI.org and through iTunes. So you can listen right through our own website, and many of our public affairs or talk shows are available on podcast. If you go to our homepage, go to archives, and then scroll down to the show you want to hear, you can catch some of the past shows of many of our uh, talk shows. And you can contact me, I would love to hear from you, at askanelf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, AskAnelf at Yahoo.com. And you can find information about podcasts and bands that are going to be here and ticket giveaways at our website at KUCI.org and also KUCITalk.org. I want to say a special hello to all of my friends who may be listening from the Southern California area especially a couple of new listeners, Marie and Claire, dear, dear, sweet, shining lights of energy. Uh, Ro down in Escondido, all my friends, Vanna, Arwen up in Washington, and anyone who may be listening from Canada. How I long to see you. <laughs> Maybe perhaps in the winter I'll be able to venture up the coast. And... Um, 
So in case you are tuning in for the very first time, you may be wondering what this show is all about. Well, I'm going to give you, oh, and I also want to say a special hello to Rachel and Rachel, who I just met at YogaWorks. And in case you are someone who's interested and have maybe have not tried yoga before or haven't been to YogaWorks before, I'm going to have a very special little mm, gift a little bit later in the show, so you might want to be listening for that. So, um, shout out hello to Rachel and Rachel. And um, so this is the show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the Earth, arts, music, her community, and all of the creatures and resources of the earth. Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? And that is a very good question. But on this program, I like to ask, what would Arwen do? What would an elf do? (laughs) And it's somewhat based on my now going on 11 years experiment of my life as an elf, which has been a very fun adventure. And you may be wondering who Arwen was. Well, in J.R.R. Tolkien's mythology of Middle-earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves, and the the lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing, lore, and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light, a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or in elvish Arda. So I'm here to remind you of your birthright as princes and princesses, children of the universe. I believe that Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige. With great privilege comes responsibility. So welcome, Alinda Lee. Elf friends, Alen Selalomen Nomentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. And... Let us always remember Galadriel's encouragement to Frodo in Lothlorien. See if I can uh, find it here. Oh. Okay, let's try that one more time. Um, Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. So this is KUCI in Irvine. We broadcast from the University of California at Irvine. And <laughs> we, um, we do it all. We're over 100 volunteers here, everyone who hosts a radio show or is a DJ, the management and staff. And coming up in just a few weeks, we'll be having our fall fund drive where you get to partner with us in uh, helping to keep the station going. So we won't talk about that today, but coming up in a few weeks, the only thing I do want to say is if you know of any businesses who might be uh, inclined to donate um, services or products as uh, thank you gifts for our fund drive, please give us a call, 949, oh no, that's the call in line, Um, email me at askanelf at yahoo.com, askanelf at yahoo.com. And um, so, yeah, we've got um, things to cover today. It's a little bit, I feel like I'm going to get whiplash today because normally the soundboard and then the monitor that I look at is right next to it. But now the monitor is kind of behind me, so I'm kind of, hopefully my ponytail won't be lashing the microphone. Yeah, probably more information than you wanted. 
So today, okay, I'm going to try to get some, do a little background music here. Here we go. Yes, Howard Shore. And um, so I wanted to talk to you today, and I want to keep this upbeat, even though it's a very uh, difficult subject. And that is the subject of suicide and of the lives of people that it touches and those who are here afterwards. Um, it's just, um, it's a very difficult thing. And I myself have not been touched by this particular loss uh, in my own small uh, immediate family. But I know f- friends um, and I uh, in 2009, September of 2009, uh, Shana Libby, one of um, a bright, shining star yoga teacher that I knew from working over at Yoga Works back then, um, took her own life. She was 36 years old, and her it's still so difficult for her family and friends, and and we all want to remember people who we set free to go on to the next uh, aspect of their journey, but we still miss them. And we still often wonder, how could this happen? And so this last weekend, I heard um, Dave Romanelli, who's a wonderful, fun guy in, uh, involved with uh, yoga and teaching yoga. In fact, I got to attend a workshop of his called Yoga, Wine, and Chocolate, at um, Yoga Works a few years back and had him here on the program to, and we talked about his book called Live in the Moment. And so I subscribed to his blog. It's Yeah Dave, Y-E-A-H, Yeah Dave. And he had mentioned about um, a rising star in the yoga community who had committed suicide, taken her own life this past week, and uh, the person I'm speaking of is Alyssa Bigelow. Uh, she's a teacher out of Boston, and it was, it's a, a, one of those things that, well, for one thing, you can't, I, I haven't, uh, I don't know the details of anything other than she was um, only 38 years old, and she left behind a young daughter, and that it was, again, one of those situations similar to Shana where, um, and, and actually in, in, in Alyssa's case, there was no indication that she had been suffering with depression. Now, Shana had some pretty severe mood swings, um, but she was, you know, for those of us who didn't know her, you know, like to live with her, we weren't really aware of that because she was always so positive. She was a great yoga teacher, loved her students. Her students loved her back immensely. And I remember talking to her a couple of times uh, when I was working at the desk uh, as she was coming in for classes. And she was always just such a delightful, uh, energetic and um, person. And so when this happened, you know, I, like everyone else, said, how could this happen? How could it happen within our own community of uh, yoga? At the time, I wasn't a teacher, but I was, you know, a yoga yoga person practicing regularly. And, um, you know, 
just because we, in doing yoga, we try to be more connected to ourselves, to our bodies, to our emotions, to uh, our to intentional about our lives, and so it was very difficult to think that one of our own could be struggling so deeply to, to the point that she lost the struggle, and we could didn't see it and couldn't intervene. I don't know what the case was with Alyssa, um, other than that outwardly it seemed like everything was wonderful. She was just starting a new um, yoga, I think it was a new yoga studio, or um, or at a new yoga studio, and um, in case you're calling, uh, there's no one to answer the phone here, so... This is KUCI, and we do everything. We produce the shows, but when we're on the air, um, we can't pick up the phone. So I apologize if you're trying to call. Back to what I was talking about. Um, so Alyssa, um, anyway, if you want to find out a little bit more, you could uh, visit uh, Yeah Dave, uh, the blog, um, or just Google David Romanelli, and um, Dave's going to come on, uh, I think, probably... Well, sometime soon, because he's got another book coming out, and I would love to get his perspective on some things. But he has a great book called Live in the Moment and um, is helping to get the word out. So one thing we all can do is to pray, you know, whatever that means for you, to um, send good energy, to ask um, angels to minister, to um, ask the saints to intercede, to ask. Uh, Jesus or God directly to comfort the family. Um, and sometimes even if you're not sure if you believe in the power of prayer, it even if it doesn't actually change anything, I believe it does, but even if it didn't, I believe it changes us and it allows us to connect with the um, person or situation that we are holding up to Um, holding out there for some extra grace. As I was doing some research on this show, on the Internet, I came across an article about someone else who had uh, just last Friday, and it's Master Chef runner-up Josh Marks loses, quote, the battle of his life and commits suicide. Well, I have a lot of friends who watch cooking shows. I, I don't. Um... As an elf, I like to eat a lot of fresh, raw stuff. (laughs) Not that there aren't cooking shows for that, but um, uh, I just don't really have much time for for a lot of television. So I wasn't aware of of this particular um, person. But uh, a little bit from the article, it says, MasterChef runner-up Joshua Marks was in the battle of his life fighting mental illness when he killed himself Friday. His family said Sunday, which was day before yesterday. Um... His family blames the lack of mental health treatment facilities and the early access to guns as factors in his tragic death. Quote, it is overwhelming to think that with proper intensive treatment, Joshua may still be with us, his lawyer, Lisa Butler, said Sunday. He was a jewel with so much talent to offer this world, but in his state of mind, he turned to the streets for a gun and easily got it. Marx, who was 26, just 26, died from a gunshot wound to his head, and uh, his death was ruled a suicide. 
says his mother believed that um, an incident that happened was uh, that happened in July. A little scuffling with the police was a call for help. Um, she said getting Mark's help was not uh, the the lawyer said it was not easy because of his the lack of full time mental health facilities in Illinois that would accept his insurance. So here we have this insurance thing again. Uh, Mark's, uh, Mark's mother, Paulette, uh, this just breaks your heart, found him dead in an alley on Chicago's south side Friday evening after a neighbor called to say that his fam, um, called to say, wait a minute, um, oh, I think it cut off a, oh, he was walking around with a gun. So his mother, apparently this person called the mother and, um, Uh, a little bit, it says that he was seven foot two and was known by his friends as a gentle giant. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder just a year ago, just one year ago. The same month he lost to winner Christine Ha in the final round of the Fox Reality Cooking Competition's third season. A doctor diagnosed Marks with schizophrenia just last week, Butler said. I mean, you wonder, you know, first he gets rocked with the diagnosis of bipolar then he's struggling, and then just last week they tell him, oh, and you're schizophrenic. Um, Josh was so kind, so gentle, his mother told CNN Sunday. He loved life. He loved people. He would never hurt anyone. He was just a gentle, sweet soul, but he hurt himself. It says, um, but behind that huge smile, Josh was in the battle of his life fighting mental illness. A family statement said it was extremely tough, but Josh was always positive, focused on his faith in God, and determined to win, pushing forward through his illness to follow his passion for cooking and dream of being a renowned chef. That battle apparently began just as Marx was achieving celebrity status on television. I hadn't noticed any signs of anything wrong or any mental illness until after Josh, Josh completed filming MasterChef, his mother said. The time he was away filming was extremely stressful on him. Mark's stepfather, Gabriel Mitchell, in a statement, described the toll that being on a reality show puts on people and said Josh had a following of fans and was put on celebrity-type pedestal with the expectation from others that there was money and fame. But his personal reality was that he was struggling mentally and financially. I think people expect it to come away from a reality show and have it made. That's not necessarily the case. So um, the article is av available online. You can probably just Google uh, Josh Marks or MasterChef uh, Josh, Josh Marks. Um, but my point is that it's, we don't often know when these things are happening, even to just the, you know, people around us, the people that we work with. And, um, and I, um, statistically, I think, you know, I'm not a big statistics person, but statistically, this is the time of the year that most suicides occur, occur during the holidays. And it's that time when most people struggle with depression, Sometimes it's because of loved ones that they've lost the last year. Sometimes it's due to financial stresses or, you know, maybe they've lost their job and here we are moving into the holidays. And I'll tell you, even though I'm an elf who doesn't really get all caught up in all of this stuff, we, you know, 
uh, elves kind of have this thing about not being owned by their possessions. And so I, many years ago, I kind of have taken a different thing. I, I love the traditions of Christmas, but I just simply don't do those things anymore, like running up credit card bills and having to pay them off for three months after Christmas and um, feeling obligated to accept every invitation and to host parties back and no, that's not the way I celebrate the holidays anymore. And yet I love the people I love and I enjoy the holidays immensely. All of that to say, it still is stressful. Even when you have lots of ways to handle the stress, the holidays are just stressful. And very often we have additional things. I have uh, two friends and people close in my extended family who have both lost their mothers, one just a couple of months ago and another just this last month. And even if you're if your mother is far away or if you aren't that close to your mother, there's something about when your mother or when your parents are gone from the planet. It's as though, um, it's as though you are, are an orphan. There's, there's no one there. You're the, you're the one. <laughs> there's no one. You can't go home to your parents anymore um, because they're gone. And so it's, um, so I want to talk to you a little bit today, but again, I want to keep it, I don't want to make this be um, real um, sad and because, I mean, even though suicide or the, someone taking their own life is a very tragic thing, there are things that we can do to help and maybe even prevent these things. And you just never know when a very small thing, a very small word, a very small phone call, a very small reaching out to someone can make a big difference. So I'm going to play a little music for you before we get into the next segment. And I picked a, a lovely little song from one of my favorite folk groups because because the elves were the first minstrels or folk singers of Middle Earth. And this is a song by the Waylon Jennies called Heaven When We're Home. I am Tawny Genuvio. This is KUCI in Irvine. And this is a little reminder, Heaven When We're Home. with heaven when we're home. I apologize if that kind of blasted your eardrums out. I had <laughs> turned up a little bit loud. And, um, yeah, sorry about that. I'm Tani Tanuvial. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming live at 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at KUCI.org and through iTunes. Just a little reminder that if you listen to the podcast and you notice that because we take out all the music, so unfortunately you won't get to hear that whole song if you tune into the podcast or the whole song of any of the songs that I may share with you today. But I will always give you the name and the artist and you can look them up and enjoy them to your heart's content. So that is the Waylon Jennies from their CD 40 Days and that was Heaven When We're Home. So we're touching on the 
difficult s- subject today of taking one's own life. And um, so I shared with you a little bit the last half hour about Alyssa Bigelow in Boston. You can um, you can Google that if you want to find more information. There's there's not a lot, but she's a a yoga teacher in the Boston area and has many friends and family rallying. And she left a young daughter. She left uh, us the planet last week. Also, please remember in your thoughts and prayers and energy and uh, Shana uh, Leby and her family. Shana left us 2000, fall of 2009. And then just this last week also, uh, Josh Marks, uh, one of the contestants on the uh, Master Chef program, only 26 years old, took his own life as well. And his mother says, and part of it, he couldn't find a healthcare facility for mental illness in his area of Chicago that would take his insurance. And also he was able to just go out and purchase a gun right off the streets, like just walk out the door and buy a gun. And that is how he took his life. So, yeah, we need to, we can't always do, sometimes it takes a long time for reforms. So in the meantime, we can do things to help, hopefully help our friends by noticing. Again, remembering those who may have had traumatic things happen this last year, a death in their family, a divorce, a loss of a job, a loss of their home. And these things can often plunge us into depression, and we don't even know it's happening ourselves at the time. And so there's a website called uh, helpguide.org that has some uh, suicide prevention uh, Things to look for, common misconceptions about suicide, like people who talk about suicide won't really do it. That says almost everyone who commits or attempts suicide has given some clue or warning. Do not ignore suicide threats. Um, Statements like, you'll be sorry when I'm dead. I can't see any way out. No matter how casually or jokingly said may indicate serious uh, feelings. And... Or saying that, or thinking that anyone who tries to kill him or herself must be crazy. Most suicidal people are not psychotic or insane. Uh, they must be upset, grief-stricken, depressed, or despairing. But extreme distress and emotional pain are not necessarily signs of mental illness. So just along those lines, I myself uh, went through a deep depression. It took like almost two years after my divorce and my life that I thought I was going to have forever went away. And... Um, I could not pull myself out of it. And I was one of those people who'd been through, I've been through a lot of things in my life and I've always been able to rally and pull myself out of it. But this time I couldn't. I've, I just felt like something had really changed. And I'm going to read a little something for you from a book called Yoga for Depression by Amy Weintraub, A Compassionate Guide to Relieve Suffering Through Yoga. Now, Amy does not advocate uh, not using medication, but for many of us, sometimes medication is a temporary help. It's like if you have um, a really bad headache or toothache and, and you have to get a root canal, but first they've got to... Uh, get the infection down in your jaw so you take some pain medicine and there's nothing wrong with that 
Um, it doesn't. It isn't a sign of weakness or anything like that. So we have all kinds of ideas about that we attach to things with, that aren't necessarily helpful. So yoga helps tremendously. It has helped me tremendously. Um, at one time, it wasn't the only thing. I I had so many things kind of imploding in my life, and I reached a point one morning where I woke up and I could not stop crying and I could not get myself dressed and I knew something was wrong well actually let me back up just a little bit before that I knew something was wrong because it was actually that year that I had heard about Shana's uh, suicide and I remember thinking um, how sad it was but my also immediate reaction was why does she get to leave and I have to stay here and I remember even at the time thinking, Tani, that's not an appropriate response. Um, why do I have to stay here? So anyway, it was next, uh, that was in the fall, and it was the following uh, May that I think, or April, that I had my little meltdown. And I was fortunate to uh, get to a doctor and to get on some medication temporarily and take a little time off to rest and um, evaluate what was going on and do some work on myself and um, and come to terms finally with a lot of things that had just been stuffed way down. So I want to read to you a little bit from Yoga for Depression. This from the a section called Major Depressive Episode. She says, if you are in the midst of a major depressive episode, you may suffer from the same list of symptoms as someone whose mood is dysthymic, but in a much more severe form so that your normal functioning is impaired. People suffering from depression have difficulty maintaining relationships, doing their work, even accomplishing everyday tasks, and the shame they feel compounds the effect of the depression. In his eloquent account of his own experience with depression, Darkness Visible, William Styron writes that his state of mind was virtually, quote, indescribable, and that someone who has never experienced this anguish anguish cannot possibly comprehend the actual dimensions of this suffering. And I want to read that again and reemphasize that because that is so true. Before I experienced that anguish, I couldn't comprehend what it was like. I mean, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. He says, someone who has never experienced this anguish cannot possibly comprehend the actual dimensions of this suffering. Quote, such incomprehension, he says, has usually been due not to a failure of sympathy, but to the basic inability of healthy people to imagine a form of torment so alien to everyday experience. So again, it's not a failure of sympathy, but a basic inability of healthy people to imagine a form of torment so alien to everyday experience. And that's how I was for, you know, 50-something years of my life. Um, if you are in a severe depression, this is going on to read from uh, Amy's book, you may need an allopathic approach, you may need medication, even time in a hospital or treatment center before you can even begin to think about sitting with your spine erect, your sitting bones grounded, your crown lifted, breathing, uh, yoga breath. On the other hand, if you're in a place that admits no light, there are yoga practice, practices that may crack through the fog of even a major depressive episode. She goes on to say, here, it's, it's such a wonderful book. Again, it's called Yoga for Depression by Amy Weintraub. 
I would invite you to maybe think about picking it up or taking yoga, and I'll talk a little bit more about an opportunity to do that in a moment. The first step may be finding the right yoga class, where the teacher is less concerned about the exact accomplishment of the posture and more concerned with the healthy relationship you are developing with your body. So I mentioned before that I have a little gift for uh, someone who may be listening. If you have not taken a yoga class before, or if you have never taken a class at Yoga Works, Rachel over at Yoga Works by Fashion Island has graciously uh, offered a week of free yoga at their location. They're right on Newport Center Drive. And I do believe that I have the phone number here. Please wait a moment to call uh, because I can't go to the uh, phone until I go to music. Before that, I give you the phone number, though. I want to read one more little part from Amy Weintraub's book. She says, practicing yoga gives you the opportunity to do something loving for yourself. Every single physical act triggers a change in your brain chemistry, Patricia Walden says. So the more we do positive things like practicing yoga, eating foods that are good for us, listening to inspiring music, reading poetry, seeing inspiring art, the better we feel. Every time you step onto your yoga mat, if your intention is to listen to your body and honor your limitations, you're giving yourself the opportunity to practice self-love. And that, to me, is really what yoga is all about. Not only getting strong and flexible, which it certainly helps us do, and even to correct um, areas of pain and dysfunction, but to me, it's an hour and a half that, or an hour where I set aside space to learn to love and accept myself. <laughs> and as a yoga teacher, I cannot emphasize how hard it is for people to do that. We just, we're just constantly bombarded with we're not enough, we're not doing enough, we're not doing it fast enough. And sometimes just, just even making, getting to that class a priority is, uh, is a big act of self-love because so many other things um, vie for our time and attention. So I'm going to play another little uh, song here. And when I come back, um, I've got, a, got a, a couple more things to share with you. Our, my call-in number here is 949-824-5824, 949-824-5824 for a week free yoga at Yoga Works uh, here by Fashion Island and... Let's hear a little music from Brother A Thousand Ways. This is KUCI in Irvine. the group Brother Celtic Fusion. Got to meet them and see them live at the Renaissance Fair down in Felicita Park, Escondido, San Diego a couple of years ago. And they are awesome. Escondido, 
uh, Renaissance Fair is coming up the fall one, and my friend Ro the Archeress, who has recently been off studying art again and be seeing her the second weekend. They now have it two weekends in a row. I don't know if Brother will be there, but they are a wild Celtic fusion, tribal fusion, didgeridoos and bagtop pipes and drums and, and amazing vocals. And that song was inspired by a quote from Ruby, A Thousand Ways, Meet You Out in That Field. A thousand ways to get there. So you can Google that uh, if you're interested in the going to a Renaissance Fair. It's one of the best ever. It's in Felicita Park, which is a very woodsy area, so it really looks like a little shire itself out in the middle of England. And uh, they have vendors. They have entertainment going on all day long at different, say, they have the, the Parade of the Queen they hopefully the Frisian horses will be there again. These beautiful giant Frisian horses and the riders and all dressed in medieval garb. And you can learn how to make chain mail. You can learn how to shoot an arrow, bow and arrow. You can buy a sword. I've got a couple of swords there myself. Yeah, it's a really wonderful place. So anyway, it's going to be not this weekend, not this coming weekend, but uh, the second weekend of October and the first weekend of November. Great place to get costume for Halloween as well if you go the first weekend. So this is KUCI in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. And we have a little time left. One of the things that I'm excited about today is that this is, um, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of, the, of saints, especially of the women saints. And I think I mentioned last week that I'd gone to St. Michael's uh, Church and they had such a wonder on uh, the blessing of the animals day. So here were all these people with their animals and a special uh, service about St. Francis of Assisi who love the animals as well as people and so today is a feast day i guess that's what they're called feast days when they celebrate saints uh, for saint Teresa of avila and she was uh she was pretty amazing she went in to be a reformer of the con of the um, abbeys it says here she was and she was born march 28th the day after my birthday in 1515 and she was a prominent Spanish mystic, Roman Catholic saint, Carmelite nun, and writer of the Counter-Reformation, and theologian of contemplative life through mental prayer. She was a reformer of the Carmelite order, and is considered to be a founder of the Decalcet Carmelites, along with John of the Cross. And so here was a woman who, uh, she was 14 when her mother died, causing the girl a profound grief that prompted her to embrace a deeper devotion to the Virgin Mary as her spiritual mother. It was funny because this, along with this good resolution, however, she also developed immoderate interest in reading popular fiction, consisting at that time mostly of medieval tales of knighthood and caring for her own appearance. So back then, it was, um, it was not so good, I guess, as a pious young girl to be um, reading science to be reading fiction and worrying about how your hair looked all the time. <laughs> it says, though, once she entered, um, let's see, at the, the in, she entered the Carmelite Monastery in, on November 2nd, 1535. 1515, yeah, so it's 20 years, 20 years old. Um, and she had a lot, she suffered greatly from a lot of illness 
Um, but she was an amazing, amazing woman. In um, the last three years of her life, she founded convents in a number of places. In total, 17 convents, all but one founded by her, and as many as and as many men's cloisters were due to her reform activity of 20 years. And the reform was about, you know, she had, I guess, um, gone into this, uh, the one um, convent, and they were entertaining the local people and, you know, trying to raise funds. And she thought, this is not what the uh, life, spiritual life is supposed to be about. Um, so an amazing, amazing uh, person. And a couple, few hundred years later, uh, was very instrumental, I think, in the conversion and life of St. Therese of Lisieux, who is known as the Little Flower of Jesus, one of my favorite saints that I feel very close to. I mean, I think we're, I know some people say, what? But we're all connected. Life, death, we, you know, we, I believe that we're all connected and that we don't actually just cease to exist when we die. We are still there. Anyway, St. Teresa of Avila, she died in 1582 at the age of 67. Uh, just as Catholic nations were making the switch from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar, this is interesting, which required the removal of October 5th through 14th from the calendar. So she died either on the midnight of October 4th or early on the morning of October 15th, which is rather an odd day. What happened to all those people that had birthdays and things going on from the 5th through the 14th? Anyway, her last words were beautiful. She said, My Lord, it is time to move on. Well then, may your will be done. O oh, my Lord and my spouse, the hour that I have longed for has come. It is time to meet one another. And I just want to, what I'd really like to leave with you today is um, just an encouragement to love each other as much as you can, your friends, your family. We all I believe that we do all just need that so much. Very often, just a simple word or um, phone call, little note, can make such a difference. There's a wonderful book by Carolyn Mace, who actually wrote a book called Entering the Castle, which was based on her experience, mystical experience, with Teresa of Avila, who wrote her, whose, whose greatest work was called, um, oh yeah, The Interior Castle. The Interior Castle was Teresa of Avila's book. Carolyn Mace wrote Entering the Castle, and, but she has an amazing book called Invisible Acts of Power, Channeling Grace in Your Everyday Life. And the basic premise of the book is that with every person you meet on the, in the grocery aisle, at the gas station, in the parking lot, in your kitchen, the members of your family, every person that you encounter, you have the opportunity to extend grace or withhold it. So you can smile at someone or say something kind or say something nice, or you can turn your eyes the other way and ignore them. You can say something sarcastic. But with each person we meet, we have the opportunity to extend grace or withhold it. And Carolyn says in this wonderful book, Invisible Acts of Power, um, she talks about how she, in the introduction, when I was growing up, in, growing up Roman Catholic, we were bilingual in English and angels. <laughs> She said, every day was a saint's day and gave us the opportunity to recognize the importance of a particular virtue or energy that each saint embodied. For some of us children, the angels and saints were our first brush with invisible power. These non-physical beings peopled our spiritual world and surrounded us with their support. 
To this day, the saints and angels are invisible forces in my life, yet I also have a faith in an even greater power, the energy or grace that emanate, animates our seemingly impersonal but intimately interconnected universe. We receive infusions of grace on a daily basis, but in the middle of the everyday tasks of making a living and taking care of our family and friends, we can miss its subtle power. Grace holds together the whole of our life and all of our life's lives collectively. It watches over us and will come to our aid if we ask. And um, she goes on to say here, There is no such thing as a simple act of compassion or an inconsequential act of service. Everything we do for another person has infinite com consequences. Every action gives rise to a ripple effect, just as a pebble that is tossed into a pond sends out wave after wave, widening and covering more and more space. Everything we do and say matters, period. And I want to read for you, lastly, a little excerpt from C.S. Lewis. I was going to read for you something from The Lord of the Rings of Arwen's Gift to Frodo. But this is so much more fitting, especially as we think of those who leave, have left us in this world and have gone on and to not lose heart. Uh, before I read this, I want to say a very special thank you again to Yoga Works for providing the gift of yoga and to... Uh, Dan for calling in and for the week of uh, free yoga. I hope it is meaningful for you. It's always been meaningful for me. And uh, thanks to all of our friends. We will be having more wonderful things from Yoga Works during our fund drive at the end of this month. So I hope you'll kind of stay tuned for that. So this from C.S. Lewis, The Weight of Glory. And this is from his essay, The Weight of Glory, which is such an amazing, beautiful, beautiful work. But he says, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in nightmares. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them, that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But as immortals, whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment must be of that kind, and, and it is in fact the merriest kind, which exists which pe between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. And our charity must be a real and costly love, with deep feeling for the sins in spite of which we love the sinner. No mere tolerance or indulgence which parodies love as flippancy parodies merriment. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. If he is your Christian neighbor, he is holy in almost the same way, for in him also Christ, ver latitat, the glorifier and the glorified glory himself, is truly 
hidden. Yes, that from C.S. Lewis's essay, The Weight of Glory. I am Tani Tinuvial. This has been uh, What Would Arwen Do? here on KUCI 88.9 FM. Coming up in just a few moments, we have the Blue and Gold Report. And after that, Heather McCoy will be here with Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident. I will leave you with a little Hobbit music. And until next week, wish you well and safe a safe journey in all your travels. And say Namaria until until next week at Tuesday at four o'clock. Please uh, catch us on podcast. And if you'd like to send me an email, I'd love to hear from you at askanelf at yahoo.com. This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm.